live or want to do in our lives <clears throat> post, I want to say post pandemic, but, uh, I'm just going to say post 2020 because I'm not sure if we're out of the pandemic or not. <laughs> but I wonder if anybody else has had this observation. And if you've had this observation, go ahead and put it in the comments. But one of the things that I have noticed since, uh, the initial, you know, stay home to slow the spread thing that we did in 2020 or whatever with the coronavirus. Um, you know, everything changed on a dime for us. And we really, as a society, as an individuals had a lot thrown at us all at once. Um, a lot of us were working from home. Some of us weren't working at all. Some people, uh, who had small businesses, couldn't survive the pandemic, especially restaurants and bars that were locally owned, not chain or franchises. Uh, a lot of those, at least here locally, have closed down. And, uh, you know, initially it was, it was probably pretty cool for introverts or people like me who were really busy. It was kind of like the world got put on pause for a while. If you're an introvert, I've had lots of intro- introverts tell me this. They had the, uh, Excuse to not go be sociable because <laughs> they had to stay home or whatever the case may be. But things really changed for us during that time period and everybody kind of disengaged. We didn't have any choice. You had to disengage, forced to disengage in many uh, respects. But something I've noticed, and I'd be interested to see in the comments, something that I've noticed is that a lot of people don't seem to have re-engaged. <laughs> And here's what I mean. Uh, when was the last time that you had really exceptional customer service? Uh, it's something that I've noticed that the quality of customer service has gone down, especially in, uh, <clears throat> places that probably don't pay as well. Fast food places, retail places, um, just that, that, that level of customer service seems to have dropped off. And I wonder how much of that is a, lack of re-engaging since uh, being shut down or staying at home. Uh, but something else I've noticed is just trying to get people to work. We had some stuff that we wanted to get done around our house. Um, so we tried to get people to come out and look at our sprinkler system, which needed work or um, other things that we were doing. And you wouldn't get emails back. You, uh, wouldn't get responses. You would get a kind of a lackadaisical. Just recently, we went into a place of business to try to hire them to do some stuff or at least see if we could hire them, see what it would cost and whatever. And basically, we were just told, oh, we're too far behind. Don't don't bother us with it. Or we had, you know, two or three different, like, repair items that we needed. And we would contact different companies. And they would say they would come out and they wouldn't come out. And then, oh, I forgot about you. I'll be there for sure next week. You're my priority next week. And so we make sure that we're home during that time the next week and they don't come out, don't respond to phone calls. Like I said, don't return, <clears throat> don't return emails, even on the work, even in the workplace. You know, I've seen some of this where people are just, people haven't really gone back and fully engaged. <laughs> um, and I think I, I want to talk about some of the reasons for this and just share personally. I think that part of this is because maybe a lot of us weren't fully satisfied or weren't really happy 
with where our life was prior to the coronavirus, prior to 2020, prior to all the, you know, shutdowns and staying at home and social distancing. And that could be on any level. Uh, you know, I mean, think about how much this, this changed your life. Like if you weren't satisfied, uh, or really happy with the friend group that you had, and now you've disengaged from that friend group and you've realized, um, yeah, I don't really have a lot in common with those people. Or I don't really like those people. Or let's say that you are in a committed relationship and you had to stay home together and you were on top of each other and you realize, you know, we keep this relationship going by not really being around each other. And now we're around each other all the time. Now, you may have the opposite effect, too, where it's like, wow, we really haven't been spending enough time together. You know, we've been so busy in the rat race, so busy doing what we're supposed to do that we haven't given enough time to family and to our relationships. And so it's hard to get reengaged at the level of work or the pace of work that you were at before because you want to your priorities have changed. Um, or maybe you realize, you know, it's not worth it to work uh, minimum wage job or a low paying job and <clears throat> keep, uh, you know, busting your tail for very little reward. Some people, I think, figured out that they work better from home. And there are some workplaces, I suppose, that are like, if your productivity doesn't drop off. I mean, that's what, that's what we were hoping. That's what I was hoping, right? Like that there would be more and they were forecasting that there would be more, you know, working from home because as long as your productivity didn't drop off, you could have a better work life balance by working at home. I know that certainly was the case for me. I had a better work uh, life balance working from home and actually work better from home. And yet, uh, you know, some corporations, companies and outfits are allowing their people to work from home because they realized they could get the productivity and it would be fine. And they didn't care how you got the productivity done as long as you got the productivity done. And then there were other places that were just like, no, we're going to go back to the way it always was before, because this is just the way we've always done it. Or you were slacking off when you were at home, you were missing deadlines, you weren't available when you needed to be available. Um, and you couldn't maintain that, you know, sort of independent working. Everybody's different. Some people can work independently and get stuff done uh, in less time. Other people can't handle that much uh, self-responsibility and self-oversight. And so they slack off. But whatever the case may be, it just seems like, there's just been this lethargic sort of re-engagement. And I know that I've been very lethargic about uh, doing certain things that I said I was going to do or that I said I wanted to do. Uh, it's just become easier to, in some cases to just procrastinate or be lazy or just say, I don't want to do it today. I'll do it tomorrow. Um, whatever, you know, whatever your experience is, it, it may be very different, but it just seems like there's this lethargy. So I wanted to talk about, Starting over, I want to talk about perseverance. I want to talk about, talk about, you know, giving yourself a reset and giving yourself a fresh start. And how can we do that in a way that's stress-free without putting piling guilt on ourselves? And how can we do it in a way that's effective? So I was thinking about these thoughts when I was lying in bed, trying to decide what am I going to share today for the Facebook Live video. And I was thinking about this. And first thing that came up for me on Twitter was... uh um Oh, the guy's last name is Doddle. Let me, uh, Waddle, Dave Waddle. It's his birthday. Happy, happy birthday, Dave Waddle. 72 years old. If you don't know who Dave Waddle is, he, uh, is an Olympic athlete that participated in the 1972 Olympics. 
and they're showing his 800 meter race in the Olympic finals. And the race starts out. Apparently he'd had some uh, tendonitis in his knee that had slowed him down and had prevented him from being able to train the way he wanted to train. <clears throat> and he's wearing this golf hat. Like you would never see that today, but he's, he's running the 800 meters. He's got this golf hat on and he's about seven to 10 meters. I would guess behind the rest of the pack. He's in last place behind the rest of the pack, seven to 10 meters behind them for definitely the first half of the race, probably even the first two thirds. It's when he's turning that second corner on the second lap that he finally starts to catch up with the herd. He can finally starts to catch up with the pack, but he's still in last place up until the last 200 meters of his 800 meter race. And he just kicks it into this other gear. Like he just, he just found another gear. And in the last 200 meters of the race, he went from last place into first place and he won the gold medal. And it was so much synchronicity there for me because I was thinking about that's how it feels. That's how it's felt. Now, I don't know about you, but that's how it's felt for me for the last, uh, probably this year, especially because this year, starting in January, um, set some goals, set out to do some things, wanted to get more stuff going on YouTube, wanted to, uh, produce some content, wanted to do some more stuff for religious trauma recovery. Um, I was finally getting over some of the health issues that I'd had. Uh, that was the other thing I wanted to get healthier because I let my health go to crap uh, during the, you know, the stay at homes and the shutdowns and the quarantines and all that stuff. My health just went to crap, meaning I gained a ton of weight. Blood pressure went up. I quit exercising, quit eating right, started drinking more than I should. Um, and I'm sure a lot of us experienced some of those same things during the pandemic and I've felt a little bit like um David Waddle in that I felt like I'm pushing it, I'm trying, but the pack is leaving me behind. <laughs> uh but I've been waking up with some new energy. Um and some of that is because I've addressed some of those health issues and stuff like that. And so I'm trying to regroup and reset and think about my life and, and think about what, what I want to change, what I want to start, what, what makes me happy, what makes me happy, what doesn't make me happy. Who do I want to be in this next phase of my life? How do I want to live it out? Um, and thinking about a lot of that, but not thinking about it in a way that's overwhelming, but thinking about it in a way that's somewhat kind of motivating, right? And so I'm watching this, this race and this guy, you know, kicks it in at the last second. And it just inspired me because I thought, you know, maybe that's all we need to do. Maybe we just need to re-engage. Maybe we just need to find a way inside of ourselves to find that extra gear. And maybe it doesn't, it only took 200 meters for him to win that race. It just took finding that extra gear for 200 meters that took him from last place to a gold medal winner and probably one of the most amazing displays in the Olympics of all time. I mean, if you have a chance, just Google it and go out and watch the race. And I don't know, it just, it blew my mind. So, <laughs> so I'm just wondering, um, if people resonate with that, if people, if you can, if you guys can relate to that, I see in the comments, um, cause I can't see the comments today that uh a few few of you are uh able to able to relate to that 
and able to see that there's some of this lack of engagement. But at the end of the day, all we can do really is control ourselves, right? And so 2018, those of you that don't know my story, 2016, I start to go through some massive deconstruction uh, and begin to kind of walk the church. I remember I was going to therapy at the time, and my therapist said, you've started a massive group therapy. <laughs> and so there was this interesting thing that happened between what I would call the local dynamic, because we were a local church. We met on Sunday mornings. We met on Wednesday nights. We planned activities. We did stuff like that. And the coming together and the fellowship and the community that was being built was, in my view, healthy. Um, it was enjoyable. People were enjoying their experience locally, uh, but I was deconstructing at the same time. And so anyway, long story short, 2018, we have this big meeting with everybody uh, on our board of directors, everybody that's in leadership at the time in our church. And I said, look, I can't continue to pastor. See, I realized I was not happy. It was time for me to reset. I wasn't happy being a pastor. I couldn't do it with good integrity anymore. But I did have a love for helping people. I did have a passionate desire to pursue metaphysical things and the supernatural, which has always been part of my life, but outside of this sort of Christian charismatic context. And so I was very honest about where I was at. And I said, look, we can bring in another pastor. I'd lined up another pastor. Um, and, you know, I could step down, but I'd still like to be able to pursue these other things. And these other things were starting a holistic spiritual center. Uh, kind of what we were trying to aim at was people that were uh, sick of Christianity as it was or sickened by it or just couldn't go the full, you know, um, conservative Pentecostal route of what we'd been before. And they had an interest in the supernatural, had an interest in God, had an interest in the metaphysical, but they also didn't want to go all the way over on the other side, fully into the new age movement. And they weren't sure about things like reincarnation or rocks and stones and crystals and tarot cards or astrology and all that stuff. And so what we were trying to do was find this sort of, uh, that, that was kind of the group we were aiming for, right? Not too, not so Christian <laughs> that they were radical and hateful and mean, but also, you know, we just weren't too sure about some of this other stuff that you see or hear or get around when you go to holistic fairs and get around people that are in the the love and light community, right? So we wanted to bring in, we wanted to do seminars. We wanted to do uh, energy work ministry type with people and go from the, the really corporate group setting to a more one-on-one type of healing place where we could offer all kinds of holistic services. I was a licensed counselor by that time, but still keep the religious aspects of it. And unanimously, everybody voted. They said, no, we don't want you to step down as pastor. We understand where you're coming from. A lot of us are experiencing the same type of awakening, interested in the same kind of things. So we want to go down this direction as well. So we changed our name from New Day Church to the Awakening Center, and I did a message where I shared my story, I shared my journey, I shared where we were at, why we were going the direction that we were going, and we had a lot of people leave, which I understood and I expected. We had a lot of people leave. Um, 
But with that came a significant portion of the church's or the ministry's income. So from 2018 to 2019, um, we began to burn through our reserves, our cash reserves and our resources. I remember there was one uh, Sunday morning that we took an offering and our offering was a total of $35. And that had never happened before. Never. Even our first meeting that we ever had. Um, I don't know if we ever really brought in offerings that were less than at least hundreds of dollars. So we brought in $35, probably not even enough to cover the lights and stuff like this. Right. And so I'm looking at this thinking, what am I going to do? So one of the things that I did was I took a job at the university here and started doing counseling. And I absolutely fell in love with it. I, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with the people. I fell in love with the, my coworkers. I fell in love with the population that I was working with. <coughs> Excuse me. Fell in love with what I was doing. Now, I said there were two things happening. So we were seeing this shrinkage <laughs> or this morphing that I expected in the local group. We're drawing, we're garnering some interest from the metaphysical community. I'm out networking. I'm out meeting people in the metaphysical, the holistic community. Um, but the return on investment wasn't there. We would hold, uh, <coughs> workshops or we would, we did a metaphysical fair at our, uh, on our property. Um, we had some people from the metaphysical community start connecting and attending and coming to church. But for whatever reason, that wasn't translating financially into return on investment. But what we did see, what I did see was an explosion of opportunities online. Uh, I remember I had several pastors, former missionaries, former Christian leaders reaching out to me, wanting to know what we were doing, wanting to talk about some of the issues that they also were grappling with. So it's like there's there's all these leaders and pastors and people in church that are grappling with these questions, that are struggling with the incongruencies, the inconsistencies in church, the inconsistencies with their faith. But nobody was talking about it and they were afraid to talk about. It. So I start talking about it and I start putting it on YouTube and I start putting it on on Facebook, primarily those two main platforms. And and there's. Tremendous hunger for that, tremendous interest. So we might reach 30 people on a Sunday morning in the local gathering, and I might reach at the time, uh, I don't know, thousands of people, <clears throat> have thousands of views or hits or reaches on posts and stuff online. So for sure I could do a, a message, record it, reach 30 people in the local gathering, reach a 1,000 people online. And so then the the shutdown happens, the coronavirus happens, and the world went crazy. <laughs> so we followed health guidelines. A lot of churches in our community did not follow health guidelines. They uh, were what I would call conspiracy theorists, meaning they just assumed conspiracy where there was not good evidence of conspiracy and just bought, you know, whatever was convenient truth for them at the time. And so they kept going, but we honored um, the public health guidelines. And I'm still to this day, I'm glad that we did. Um, I had a son that I or had, geez, Aaron, I have a son that I wasn't sure how he would cope with the virus because he um, had uh, lung issues and different things. So we wanted to protect him, but we also wanted to protect uh, the most vulnerable in our congregation. And so I didn't want to meet and have somebody get it and end up in the hospital for a long period of time, have a long recovery, which a number of our members did, even though we weren't meeting 
or end up in the hospital and die, which a number of our members did, including my own mother-in-law, uh, as a result of the virus. And I didn't want to have to wonder what was it because we met. If, if we hadn't met, if we'd have stayed shut down or closed, would this not have happened? So that's just the kind of forward thinking that I was doing and trying to be responsible in places that we hadn't navigated. And listen, I wasn't doing this by myself. Um, I was getting feedback from other leaders, uh, talking to them on a regular basis. When do you think we should start? And one of the things I found out was that people liked having their Sundays to themselves. The most consistent feedback that I got was we love being able to just get up, get out of bed, uh, sit with a cup of coffee in our living room and watch you online. We prefer that. So nobody was willing to come back or chomping at the bit to come back and reorganize the way that we were. Well, that's all fine and dandy, but we still had this, you know, four acre property, 8,000 square foot building or whatever it was. Um, that we're trying to maintain and we're having to pay for. And so last year we reached a breaking point. Um, last year we reached a point where we didn't have the finances to be able to meet our obligations. And we had this big building, right? It's like, we have this big building. If we start up again, I don't even know if anybody's going to come. Most of my leaders are saying they're not interested. Um, everybody was kind of burned out. Everybody kind of realized, hey, my life's a little bit better on Sunday mornings when I'm not giving my blood, sweat, and tears to uh, all these various different ministry functions that I've been giving myself to all these years. And I like the new format. So, and so, you know, we're being more effective online. We're getting more offerings from people online. And we got this, this piece of property. So I kind of floated the idea to a couple people that maybe we should look at renting the facility to at least try to cover our expenses. And so we did have people that approached us. I didn't put it out in the community. I didn't advertise it, but we just floated the idea just to a couple of people. And we did have some people that were interested, but they didn't have the financial viability to pull it off. They didn't have the money to pull it off until a charter school uh, just knew that our building was empty. And I'll never forget it. Uh, we'd almost signed a contract on a Tuesday. We'd almost signed a contract, a lease with the church that wanted to lease option to buy our building. And on Tuesday night, I drawn up the lease. I thought it was everything that we had talked about. I thought it was everything that we'd agreed upon. And I give it to the pastor of that church to sign. This is on Tuesday, last May. And he gets mad and says that I changed things. Now, Apparently, we had a misunderstanding, but I wasn't trying to get one over on him. That's why you do contracts to begin with. But he didn't like it, so he was going to have to take it back to his board of directors. So he didn't sign the papers, or we would have locked ourselves into a lease. Fortunately for us, three days later, the director of a charter school here locally approaches me and says, I see your billing's not being used. I see it's empty. Um, one of our church members, a couple of our church members worked in the admin building. So he'd gotten my number from them and, um, he comes in and looks at it for five or 10 minutes. He says, okay, uh, I think I've got to take this back to our board, but we would like to buy your building. So I said, well, okay, but I got to take it to my board as well. I have legal obligation to do this. So anyway, long story short, I take it back to our board of directors. They say, oh, that's a no brainer. Um, we can get full market price for this and we can regroup. We can restart. 
Um, he takes it to their board of directors and they say, yeah, this looks like this is exactly what we've been looking for. So it didn't take long at all for us to come to an agreement and we were able to sell, um, sell off the property. Now the cool thing is, is that now as a result of that, there is a K through 12 charter school that is a classical academy that has started in Pueblo West and they've got a vision for this huge campus. So this property, this building is being used every day of the week to benefit and to help our, our community. And my son benefited when he hit third grade and had to stay home and had to try to learn from home. And mom and I are trying to help him and we're both working. And then, uh, you know, in fourth grade, he just, he fell off, man. His reading comprehension skills, everything went down. Um, he was failing classes that he didn't need to be failing. He was losing his, uh, confidence. He was developing all kinds of anxiety from all this stuff. So we put him in the classical academy last year and I'm so proud of him. I'm proud to say by the end of last year, he brought his grades up to all A's and B's. He did well on his, uh, tests, his statewide tests, you know, that they do. And he won at the end of the year five academic awards, including the most valuable pupil, the MVP, the most valuable pupil, the most improved. So I really believe in this school. And so they're going to be K through 12. They're going into their second year. So I'm really, really happy and really, really excited about that. But here's the other thing I also realized for me that connects with what I'm talking about. I realized that there was not a single day that had gone by in the year, whatever, that we had closed that I missed what I was doing. There was never a time I thought, oh, boy, I can't wait to get back. There was never a time that said, oh, I've really got this vision, mission, you know, to accomplish and to try and do this. Um, I just could not get re-engaged. <laughs> So we, we, uh, sell the building and with the board of directors and, and other people in my life, I'm trying to decide and getting counsel from other people that I respect and trust. I'm trying to decide, okay, I, I want to re-engage. So went back to the vision for, uh, healing holistic slash counseling center with a religious, uh, community. But you know, what's this going to look like? but also doing ministry type stuff and stuff like this online, continuing to do that, but trying to ramp that up. You know, what is that going to look like? And so the sale closes the first week of August. First week of August, something happens with my neck and my spine. That's a whole other story in and of itself. But let me just say, any of you out there that may be suffering with chronic, constant pain, my heart goes out to you. I've always been healthy. I've never experienced that. And for the last year, uh, I've just had the worst bouts of just constant chronic pain. So that set me back as well, right? So again, I'm like David Waddle at the back of the race, running my best, doing the best I can, trying to catch the pack, trying to decide what am I going to do to re-engage. And finally, I just... um <clears throat> got fed up with it <laughs> and realized that I really wasn't happy with my life the way it was pre-pandemic. But I was so busy. I was so stuck in the patterns 
of doing the same thing every day, doing what I thought I was supposed to do, doing what I thought I should do, doing what I need to do to keep everybody else in my life happy, but yet not being as satisfied or as happy as I want to be, not being as passionate about what I'm doing as I want to be. And so at some point, we have to realize that if it's going to be, it's up to me. (laughs) At some point, we have to realize that, you know, there isn't this, day for most of us that our ship is going to come in. There isn't someone out there that's going to save us. For most of us, it's not going to be a Powerball ticket or a lottery ticket that's going to change our lives. Most of us aren't going to have a rich relative or something that dies and leaves us a bunch of money, or we're not going to have somebody that comes in just randomly and says, I believe in you. I'm going to coach you up and I'm going to help you get where you want to be in life. Like that's just not a thing. And certainly we've, we've talked ad nauseum on this, platform about, you know, Sky Daddy uh, isn't going to come and just rescue you and do something for you because you finally talked him into it or you got enough people to pray and finally talk him into it. So <clears throat> it just got to this realization. If it's going to be, it's up to me. <laughs> and I'm not happy with what was before. So I have to take responsibility and ownership to change some things about myself and change the things about my life that I want to change, working towards something better. So the first thing that I did was I said, I need to get my body better. So started eating better, started exercising a little bit more, not nearly as much as I was before, but doing something, moving, walking. I would park. It's so funny. Uh, even at, at work, I park as far away from my office as I possibly can. So I have to walk across campus just to get to my office and walk across campus just to uh, go home. That would add, uh, I don't know, it's probably a quarter of a mile total. Maybe, I don't know. I'm bad at measuring that kind of stuff. But, you know, in one week, I'm at least walking bare minimum if I don't do any other kind of walking or anything, which I was, and I was doing just some light exercises. But even if that's all I did, even if I just park over here, Instead of in front of my office, I'm adding a mile of exercise a week that I wasn't getting before. So I guess what I'm trying to say with this is, you know, making little changes. But anyway, um, and I just started eating less food and doing various different things. So I've lost 20, eh, 20 pounds conservatively. Uh, I feel much better. My blood pressure is lower. Uh, I've got more energy. I'm starting to get my sleep issues sorted out. My neck has been eh, better not nearly where it was in terms of stiffness and aches and pains where I was a year ago at this time for sure. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is that life throws at us obstacles. Life throws at us things that, you know, we'll start and then something happens and it, it we have to be able to course correct, right? So some of the things that I had to face, some of the things that I had to battle in order to re-engage that I'm still working on. Number one, was getting into a different pattern of like our daily habits, our daily patterns. These can be so hard to break. So, you know, our daily patterns were thrown into disarray with the pandemic, at least mine were. And, uh, and so I developed different daily patterns, watching too much television, spending too much time on the screen, uh, thinking negatively. Boy, you know, I did not watch news media for from 2012 to 2020, I didn't watch any news media at all. 
I didn't do any doom scrolling where I'm reading articles or looking at all the negativity. But let's just be honest, even in the last couple of years, even social media has become a savage, toxic place, right? And so these this sort of negative thinking and cynicism sort of slowly began to creep into my attitude, began to slowly begin to creep into my thinking processes. And so with that came a sense of powerlessness. With that came a sense of helplessness. With that, at times, if I'm honest, came a sense of despair. And then we have inflation on top of that. Uh, and, you know, we didn't get raises this year at my job. And so inflation's just killing us. And how do I make ends meet? How do I, you know, provide what I need to provide for these two preteen boys so that they have the, the best chances and the best experiences and the best opportunities for themselves. So feeling like I'm facing, you know, health problems for the first time in my life. I'm facing financial problems more or less for the first time in my life. Uh, and I'm just stuck in this sort of lazy negative pattern. Uh, and it wasn't just laziness. I mean, again, I was dealing with pain and health issues, not sleeping, but also had a very demanding job. And uh, <clears throat> so I would come home tired. I'd come home with no with no energy, nothing left to give out. And so I'm like, I can't continue down this pattern. I can't continue in a negative, uh, in a job that's just draining me, where it seems like even with counseling, they're wanting us to make bricks without straw. They're wanting more production for less and with less, less people in the department. But yet we saw 36% increase in student contacts this last year. Um, so somebody had to pick up that slack for having less people in the department, plus we went over a third above and beyond anything that we'd ever done in any year previously. So you're just spending, 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 spending energy for other people, for these, you know, institutions or corporations. In my case, my work I felt was rewarding because when I'm spending that energy for the institution, that institution is about people. It's about a population that I care about and I'm helping them. So, and, and there were results there and there was fruit there. And so that was, you know, that was satisfying, but still it was taking out my energy. So doing things like wanting to get YouTube broadcasts up, I haven't, wasn't able to do that. It's not so much that I didn't have the time, so I didn't have the energy to sit there and think, Oh, what do I want to talk about? Sometimes I didn't even do Sunday mornings because for whatever reason, Saturday nights seemed to be a bad night for me to sleep. And, uh, and I would just sit there and think, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. I, I have no idea what I'm going to talk about. I haven't read a book in over a year. Um, and so, you know, all this stuff can kind of pile on you. All this stuff can kind of multiply, right? And you get stuck in these other habit patterns. And so that's where I found myself. Uh, negative thinking habit patterns. Um, feeling drained all the time. Uh, watching my bank account, my paycheck go much less further than it went. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> before and all this stuff, uh, continuing to get heavier. I was the heaviest I'd ever been in my life. And I didn't like that. I don't like being heavy and, um, <clears throat> and then not, you know, engaging in community activities or friendship circles or it's, it just was a, a bad downward spiral. 
So at some point, you've got to reverse that, right? At some point, you've got to take charge, like I did with my health and my weight, but making little changes. But here's the other thing I had to do. I had to confront who I'd become. I had to confront, and am having to confront, it's not like it's a done over project, the insecurities, the beliefs about my age, that I'm going to be 51 this month, and I'm going to be starting over. And I don't have the same energy that I had in my 20s and 30s or in my 30s when I started the ministry. I don't have the same zeal or passion, right? But I want to be in a different place. So the first thing about starting over is just realizing if I keep running this race, I'm not where I'm at right now in this race. If I keep running this race the way I'm running this race, what makes me think I'm going to be where I want to be in six months? What makes me think I'm where I'm going to want to be in a year or five years? If I just stay on this trajectory, I'm just going to keep heading a direction that I don't want to be. How many more days am I going to waste? How many more hours am I going to waste? How many more weeks am I going to waste being unhappy? How how much longer am I going to waste staying stuck in this pattern and doing the same things, not even expecting a different result, just being afraid at the bottom, at the end of the day, being afraid to make the change or not wanting to expend the energy, being afraid it's going to take too much energy. It's going to take too much work. It's going to, I, and here's, here's a big one, right? Here's a big one for people. A uh, couple ones that, that where I stumbled is the unknown. Uh, at least I know, even though I may not be especially happy on the trajectory that I'm at, even though I know I'm running the rat race, at least I know what to expect tomorrow because it's going to be the same as yesterday. At least I know what to expect if I stay in the same job. It's going to be like it was yesterday. And sometimes the fear of the unknown, that we don't make changes because even though we're not happy with where we're at, the fear of not knowing where we might be makes it worse. And then our mind or, or, or paralyzes us. Like, I don't like where I'm at, but at least I know where I'm at. If I do this other thing, I don't know where I'm going to be, and I may be even more unhappy than I am now. Or I just can't deal with the anxiety of the unknown. Or what happens if I jump into this and I can't do it? What happens if I jump into this and uh, I make a bunch of mistakes? Like, there are millions of different ways to build wealth. And there are thousands of books out there about building wealth. And that can be overwhelming, too. I don't know what choice to make. I mean, just investing in a 401k can be a challenge because you got like 10 different mutual funds to choose from. How do you know which one to pick, especially if you don't understand the stock market, if you're investing in the stock market on your own? Or maybe you don't have money to invest in the stock market. And so you think, why worry about the stock, stock market? I'll never even have money to invest in the stock market. Listen, I promise you, whatever your problem is out there, someone has already solved it. Wherever it is you want to get to, from where you're at to where you want to be, someone else has already done it. And so there's books, videos, online course content. It's easier to get trained and taught today than at any time ever in the history of the world. And maybe for you, starting over means I need to get... I need to figure out what I want, and then I need to educate myself, or I need to find somebody who's already done it. I need to find somebody who's already done it, and I need to figure out 
I need to be able to learn from them. So that's part of starting it. Number one, getting rid of the fear of the unknown. Um, number two, realizing that you're not the only person that's ever had to face this and you don't have to go it alone. And even if you don't know someone in your immediate circle that can help you out and coach you or mentor you, you can get mentored through books. And you don't even have to buy them. You can go to your local Barnes and Noble, have a cup of coffee, flip through some pages of some books. You can go to the library. You can go to used bookstores and look in their self-help section or their finance section and get stuff cheap. You can go online and look at what kind of free content is places like YouTube or whatever. <clears throat> Twitter uh, has been a gold mine of information. Now, Twitter is savage. <laughs> and I don't post on Twitter. I have like a burner account that I use to basically to follow sports and news. But um, I just, you know, found these guys that are like offering, <clears throat> you know, here's 10 things to change your financial future or here's here's five ways to improve on the job. And they'll just post these in these Twitter th- threads. And some of those are golden, man. And that may spark an idea. I know it did for me. Sparked an idea. Hey, I don't know how to do this particular wealth building thing, but this is something that would interest me. This is something that I can do. So I'm going to seek out some people that might have some expertise on this. I might read a few books about this. And just starting slow, just starting slow and simple, but doing something different, right? Like start today, like quit putting it off. Like if you're not uh happy with where you're at, start figuring out where else could I be? <laughs> and it doesn't have to be perfect. You really can learn as you go. You can learn on job. You can course correct. And you don't have to make massive changes. Just me. See, when I when I park my car at the farthest end, and it's so funny because it's an empty parking lot, and there's my car all the way as far as it could be from the office building. Uh, just that little bit of saying, I'm going to move. This is a way that I can make myself move. I'm not going to the gym. I'm not going to go swim laps. I'm not going to go lift weights, especially with the problems I've been having with my neck and all that stuff. But I can move more. Getting up and going for a walk around campus during my lunch before I go and get lunch. Just minor changes made a big difference. Just cutting out certain snacks that I was eating or reducing the amount of junk food that I was eating until I could sort of wean myself off of junk food and then get ex- and then and then reading about health and reading about how the body works and reading about the positive benefits of nutrition and exercise and then beginning to see some results from that, just even beginning to see small results, that would motivate me to be okay. So it's like David Waddle when he was interviewed, he's at the back of the pack and when he turns that that corner, that first corner First curb on the second lap of the track, he catches up with the pack. And so he gained 10 meters. So he said, okay, I'm, I'm at least with the pack now. In an interview, he said, when I did that, I thought, I'm at least with the pack now. But watch, that little bit of progress encouraged him. And so the last 200 meters, he said he just kicked it into high gear, hoping he would get bronze. So, see, okay, I'm close enough. Maybe I can get bronze. I'm just going to kick it into a higher gear. Maybe I can get bronze. And then by kicking it into that higher gear, he ended up beating the Soviet competitor back in 1972, mind you, by .03 seconds and walking away with the gold. Maybe the difference between last place 
and walking away with the gold is just making enough progress, just making enough change and making enough progress that you can catch up with the pack. And maybe when you start to have that success and you start to see that and you start to feel better and you start to, hey, I can do this. Maybe I can go even a little bit further. And so you push yourself even more. So you don't have to know all the answers. You don't have to uh, know where you're going to go or where you're going to end up in the race of life. You just got to know, here's something that I want to change. And if it's going to be, it's up to me. And I've got to start today, but that means I have to take action. I have to quit lying to myself. I have to tell myself the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I'm not happy in my career. I'm not happy in my uh, current state. Uh, financially, I'm not happy with where I'm at and how I look. I'm not happy with well, whatever it is. But if I keep doing what I'm doing, nothing is ever going to change or ever going to get better. And I don't have to change the whole thing overnight. And I don't have to know the whole pattern or the whole blueprint or have the whole map right away. I can just start right now by making some changes that will move me in the direction of my goals. <laughs> and I can start over and I can reengage. But just realize nothing's going to change until you make that decision and you take some action. So um, anyway, I hope that was helpful. I'm going to look at a few of the comments here. Lots of good mornings. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for taking time to spend with me today. Ben Urban says, I participated in an involuntary furlough. <laughs> it was nice to be home with Beth and the boys, but it was also strange being off for so long. Of course, I'd be happy to do it again based on how I feel about the place I work. Um Brittany says working from home sometimes means that they think they can get you to log in at any hours they want you to. That is a good point. Tom says, good morning, Aaron. Aaron, yes, I have noticed businesses saying they can't help me because they're too busy and don't have enough employees. Um, Ben says, I'd love to have a career that I'm passionate about and I'll find what I'm looking for. Timing is everything. Yep. Um, Jermaine says, now that's full circle moment. Wow. <laughs> Let's see. And that's about all I can see. One last comment from Ben here. He says, so set reasonable expectations, reach, to, reach them, then set the expectations higher and exceed the previous expectations. Continue to steadily ascend and surpass. Yes, absolutely. All right, everybody. Thank you. I hope this was helpful. Um, please leave. Uh, something in the comments, leave a like or a love, let me know you watched it. Um, again, thanks for letting me share and just be vulnerable and be raw. And uh, I really am looking forward to, uh, you know, just doing these more in the future. Enjoy this time. Enjoy spending this time with you. And, uh, hey, let's keep each other encouraged. We're all in this together. We all fall short. We all have our bad moments. None of us are really out there killing it. Um, and even if we are killing it, we have to have people around us to support us and encourage us while we go out and kill it. So anyway, again, thanks for watching, and I will see you again next time.